0: Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. I said yes. Hey, we had uh, such an incredible time at the men's retreat. Um, it was uh, just, just so great. And then I had this epiphany because... Uh, Hundred years ago, I was the college pastor here at Calvary Community Church, and uh, and I, you know, I'd always get asked to speak at the youth retreats, right? And then I got asked to speak at the men's retreat, and I'm going, "Oh, they've seen my hairline." I, I'm in that stage of ministry now, so doggone it! But we went up to uh, 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 Lake Retreat, and, and when I was there. I was like, "Oh, this seems very familiar," and uh, um. I had a flashback to when I, I worked for a Baptist church for a while and uh, it, it's, a, it's a Baptist retreat center, right? And I'm like, oh that, oh yeah, I used, to, I used to come here, this is cool. And it's just gorgeous. It's such an awesome place to meet with the Lord. Um, and, and I forgot how much Baptist love rules Oh, they love them so much, and uh, this poor guy was, uh, he, there's this beautiful lake, and, and especially being from Southern California, I, I just, I'm like, this is so serene, and this guy's like, I've got a fishing pole in my truck, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go try to catch a fish. I'm like, not a better place to do that, bro, and he goes to his truck, gets his fishing pole, and he's out there. He goes out on the dock, and zzz, it's, just, it's just awesome, and, and literally, I kid you not, the, I've never heard a rape whistle, but it was like deafening, this whistle. It wasn't, like I've played sports, like dee dee, like not that, like nuclear fallout's about to happen, <laughs> whistle, get off the dock, you can't be on the dock, the dock, we've got rules here. And this poor guy's like, is this Christianity? I don't, I don't know if I want this. And uh, oh, they they just they love rules so much. And uh, so then so then one night, you know, I, I still I'm still you know I'm still a youth guy at heart. And uh, so I finished a message, <laughs> and I was like, you know what we should do right now? It's, ending a message is, is always so weird sometimes. You know, like sometimes the the, the keyboard guy comes out and like woah, and it like makes it all spiritual. And I'm like, ah, let's let's not do that. Let's Let's all just go jump in the lake, man. We're feeling like, let's go get baptized. It's like wind is blowing, it's raining, and everyone's like, like 150 dudes are like, let's go. And we're out there, we're having so much fun until, I I kid you not, it's 10 at night and no one's being too loud, but but she knew, she knew. (laughs) And she gave us a 30 second countdown to get out of that lake. And uh, and I was reminded of my favorite Baptist verse. It is for freedom that Christ has given us so many rules <laughs> to break. Oh, anyway. So I, I got asked to speak, and I I gotta say, um, it, it is it is so awesome to see what the Lord's doing. You know, I, I get caught up in it, Twitter. CNN, Fox News, you name it. I, 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 am a journalist, and I, 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 get sucked right into the narrative of what the world is happening in the world, and I forget whose world it is. And I've just been, uh, I've been pretty beat up this year. Real, really beat up this year. And, um, I always seem to find myself back here at Calvary Community Church, and I just wanna say thank you, Ray and Mary, for, um, for allowing me to be here. And I, I came here in 2009. I just don't learn lessons well, I guess. <laughs> so here I am again, and uh, just the grace and I just, I'm just, and all of you, um, man, is Nancy here? Where's Nancy? Is Nancy? She might be one of the, but Nancy prays for me every day, doggone it. She sends me a text, and it's always when I most need it, and I just, like, this is my church home, and uh, I just want to say I love you guys uh, so much, so, so much, and uh, and so when, uh, when Daniel goes, hey, bro, would you, you want to, you know, can you preach, like, at the men's retreat, and then, like, At the weekend services, I said, Yeah. So, what's the the theme? And so, it kind of came up with this this pace of purpose and mission. And uh, I should not be the one speaking on this subject at all. At all. Um, And I, so I reluctantly said yes. And so, here we are. So, God help us all (laughs) this morning for so long anytime god would move in my life much like a men's retreat much like uh, a powerful weekend service uh, in my life inevitably it would lead to a result of feeling that i needed or better wanted to do more for god more i'm just wired that way i just love it let's go change the world and and i i i just that's just how I'm wired. I've, I've always been a maximist. How much can we get out of life? And don't get me wrong, I still want to. I'm just here to confess to you this morning that I can't. And that I'm very, very tired. It's not due to a lack of effort. I've tried very hard to change the world. I've tried very hard to minister to every single person that I can because I truly believe Jesus is good. I truly believe uh, he has transformed my life time time and time and time and time and time and time again. And all the mission and ministry that I've been involved with lacked one very important element. And it's so frustrating to say this, but it failed to model itself the pace of Jesus. Now I've been to Bible college been to seminary, I've, I've, I've studied under the most brilliant minds in this world. I understand doctrine and theology, and yet I have completely missed it. And I just don't know how. I don't know how Joel Parker, and I, again, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher. If this is your first time hearing me, this is like my journal. So this is actually therapy for me, so thank you. I, I should just preach from a couch, it'd be much easier. So, if you're feeling like, man, this religious guy's like pretty intense. It's it's all for me, and you're just along for the ride. This, I just have a mic, so. <laughs> so my model of ministry lacked and failed to see the pace of Jesus. So, what is the pace of Jesus? Well, I believe it's three miles per hour. Three miles per hour. The pace of walking. I failed to see in Scripture these beautiful words anytime Jesus would minister to people. And it was always preceded by, as he walked by. As he walked by on the road, in the marketplace, as he walked by in the countryside, by the city gate. On the shoreline, by the water, that's where I'd like to be. In a home, at the dinner table. This is the pace of Jesus. It's pretty countercultural. And for a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to stand before you and say that I have been an awful model of what ministering like Jesus. Ought to look like Jesus' ministry happened while he walked. Just very, very simple. There's a Japanese theologian, Kasuku this is going to end up on YouTube, I know. I'm butchering this name. Kasuke Kayama says that love has its speed. Listen to this: love has its speed. It's, the, it's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depth of life at three miles per hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore the speed the love of God walks. That one shook me up real good, really good. I really, really like that. The problem is I also really, really like to go fast. I love it. I live in Southern California. Our speed limits are 109 miles an hour. We hate it when we call it the Zony apocalypse happens. I'm like, they built this city called Phoenix where it gets to be like 140 degrees and it's ridiculous. And so they all come to California in the summer, just like, eh. and they all drive the speed limit and it just frustrates us all. And I just get so mad when I see an Arizona license plate. Like it's so infuriating. <laughs> Our kids even like, like they, they're just like, ah, stupid zonies. I'm like, ah, sh- <laughs> sorry, Lord, we'll, we'll work on that. Um, I just like to go fast, I like airplanes, I like, I love snowboarding fast, I I just, I love it so much. When I was uh, uh, on location, uh, on assignment in in Havana, Cuba, I I was uh, interviewing a pastor there, Pastor Manuel, coolest guy. If you've ever been to Havana, it's just, it's like, very romantic place it's it hasn't changed in a hundred years and a lot of that is due to uh, obviously the communist leadership and it's it's the poverty is so sad but it's also a very beautiful place and so pastor manuel goes pastor joel he's like i'm so excited to show you my church and so i go and and i'm so excited to meet everybody and he's got 30 chairs set up you know the old havana streets that you see like in in photos and and they they've in the front of their homes they've they've they convert it to a church. And so it seats about 25, 30 people. And he goes, Joel, I'm so embarrassed. Pastor Joel, I'm so embarrassed. Our church only has 30 people. I said, why are you embarrassed? No, dude, that's, it's awesome. God's moving, this is great. And he also informed me that there's gonna be a government spy there, so don't say anything crazy. I'm like, I'll just shut up. Dude. I always say crazy things. <laughs> I'm gonna end up in jail. And, so, uh, and so, uh, so we had the service, and then he goes, let's go for a walk. And it was just, you know, one of those walks where it's just like so peaceful and you just feel the presence of the Lord. And he goes, I want to introduce you to somebody a block away. This is Pastor Sergio. And I go, oh, hey, Pastor Sergio. Like, nice to meet you. And and he goes, would you like to see my church? I go, I'd love to see your church. So we walk in, same exact thing, 30 chairs set up. And I'm like, incredible, this is awesome. Bless you, Sergio. And so we walked another block and then we meet another guy. And he's got a church 30 chairs set up. And he goes, yes, he goes, Pastor Joel, we have a great problem here in Havana because the government will not allow us to grow more than 30 people. Otherwise, we become a state sponsored church and they will dictate whether or not we can preach the gospel. And I said, oh, Manuel, no, 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 no. You're doing it right, bro. This is this is Epic. This is so awesome. We did an article on it and Manuel and I became good friends and he goes, Joel, I'm really, I would love to, I wish I had the opportunity to uh, attend, uh, get better biblical training because now I'm a pastor to all these pastors and I'm like, okay, yes. And so I talked to my friends at Fuller Seminary and I'm like, hey, we gotta get this guy in here. Not so that you guys can teach him but rather that he can teach us. I think we have a lot to learn from Pastor Manuel. And so, miraculously, he gets a visa. I don't know how it happens. You cannot get out of Cuba, obviously. He did, God just moved. And so he flies, (laughs) he flies from Havana, which is like, they drive 1957 Chevys and they keep them going and they barely go and 15 miles an hour is their pace. And it's, again, it's a land lost in time. No internet, internet is so sparse. It's extremely hard even to get an email out. And he lands at LAX. He's 45 years old, he's he's my age, right? And so Manuel lands and he's just wide-eyed, right? And I'm going like, Manuel, it's uh, it's 105, traffic is about to be crazy at 106, get in the truck. And he goes, wow. He goes, Pastor Joel, this is a very nice truck. It's a 2000 Toyota Tacoma manual stick shift with no (laughs) AC. It's a two-seater high class, and so he hops in, I go ripping out of there, and I go flying down the 405, trying to make it back to San Diego in time, and you know, I'm doing what we do, 95 miles an hour, no big deal, 20 lanes of traffic, and I'm just ripping, and he's like, hand against the window, (laughs) and he's just like frozen. He goes, my brother, he goes, I feel as though if we had wings, we might be flying. I thought, it was, I thought it was great. It was such culture shock for him to see the pace that is so normal for us. It was also very startling when he asked for some food. Someone who waits hours in line for a day to get an egg to feed his family. It's, it's awful in Cuba, obviously. But we, we went through in and out, and he goes, "Are you kidding me?" This is a 45-year-old. So he goes. You just, in America, you just drive next to a building and they just, here's some food. That's how he, he was, he was blown away. It was, a, it was a very wild experience. And so I, 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 love, I love this fast paced life. I've always been drawn to it because I wanna do more for God. I've always had this like righteous anger in me because no one shared the gospel with me when I was young in a way that I could understand. It was all the rules. It was all the regulations. It was all this, you can't do that. You can't do this. I'm like, well, I can't follow your God. And it was like this tension. And then I met Jesus and my my eyes were just like opened. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, grace. You're telling me that religiosity tells me I'm bad, but Jesus says you're loved. Change my life, eighteen years old, I, I want that, and so i 've always had this like this holy anger, like man we got to tell every kid that they 're loved, every single one, every kid about jesus let 's go take the world over for many years, right here in this room, uh, a ministry was formed called nations' Foundation, and we made these silly little snowboard movies, and we took them all around the world and shared the gospel with snowboarders, why because I was a Crystal Mountain snowboarder. No one ever shared the gospel with me in a way that I could comprehend it, and so I just had this passion to just go and to do, and it was so exciting, and we saw so many people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and it was just amazing. About a a year ago, um, I I was involved, a a couple years ago, I was involved in opening up an intensive outpatient program for people struggling with recovery. I partnered with a therapist friend, who had ran the Betty Ford Clinic forever. And we partnered up to to bring pastoral counseling and uh, spiritual formation to people going through recovery. And it was just like, man, that sounds awesome too. Let's change the world. And it was effective and it was great. At the same time, we're expanding our media company. We'd hired all this staff and we were just going so hard and it was just incredible. And right after, uh, right after I preached here, not this past August, but the one before that, about a year and a few months ago, um, I, I was texting with my my good friend. Uh, remember the Little League World Series? And there's that kid who showed up with uh, with uh, Home Depot work gloves as his batting gloves. And uh, my buddy texted me that, and we were laughing. We just love to banter baseball. And a few minutes after that, he tragically drowned. While on a surf trip down in Costa Rica. And I've had people pass away in my life before, but this one was really, really, really hard. And there was a lot of complexities to his life that we were working through. And it spun me out pretty good. Because he was my friend that I could just, just, we were always like, hey, let's go surf. like We got 15 minutes, like we were permanently 12 years old and it was just so awesome. And he was a very successful filmmaker. He, this past Super Bowl, one of the commercials was one he directed, and, which was really hard to watch. And, and simultaneously, all this really good ministry stuff was happening in my life. Everything was growing, everything was busy. I was a demand. People were like, and and I believed it. The sin here was that I believed it. I I believed that I, I was the solution. And I, I got to a place where there was a date circled on my calendar of December 17th. This is 10 and a half months ago. Because that was the day that we were going to take my family and drive up to Idaho and have Christmas vacation, two weeks. And I was working 12-hour days. Pastor Joel, Counselor Joel, Drug and Alcohol Therapist Joel. I'm not a therapist. I shouldn't have said that. I, I, I was pastoral counselor working in a therapy office as the executive director. Nations Media Joel traveling the world, going to places like Iraq, making documentaries about the persecuted church around extreme trauma all the time. Making documentaries in Palestine and Israel. I got gassed and shot at last time I was there. Um, because I, I like being around people who, uh, where, where the gospel's their only solution. I'm just, I'm just addicted to it. I'm, I have hurry sickness. I'm just always going. And December 17th, finally came, and I drove 16 hours straight to the snowy cabin in Idaho to spend Christmas with our family, and I had a nervous breakdown, and I left my family. I left them, and I, in the middle of the night, I, I, I went back to San Diego, so confused, so broken, and it's weird. I work in mental health. I understand what psychosis was, but I went right into it and I couldn't tie my shoe. I couldn't do anything. It was the scariest, most horrific thing I've ever been through. Many of you have had nervous breakdowns. I had never had one. And I couldn't understand what was going on. I reached out to a friend who was a therapist and I started this journey to health that was, has been very transformative and it's nowhere near completion. And... I missed it, I missed it. I missed this three mile an hour Jesus because I was going 180 miles an hour. And the problem is is that when you're going 180 miles an hour and you have a broken theology thinking that if you're not involved with it, if you're not doing it, if you're not making it happen, then it's not gonna get done. Have you ever seen a car accident when someone's driving way too fast? It's never a good thing. But car accidents rarely happen when you're going three miles an hour. <laughs> They're easy to, it's easy to course correct. It's very hard to course correct at 180 miles an hour. And I missed it. I was idolizing successful people who were busy and ignoring the ministry patterns of Jesus. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How did I miss Jesus in all of this? Well, what was Jesus's ministry pattern? Luke 5, 16 says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Who has time for that? Jesus, you're here to solve sin and death. You got a job to do, bro. You're the Messiah. They've talked about you forever. It's time to get going. Fulfill those prophecies. He's like, I'm gonna Slip away. Ray, if I ever was like, hey, I'd love to be at staff meeting today, but I'm just gonna slip away. He'd be like, your paycheck just slipped away, okay? (laughs) Our culture doesn't understand slipping away. And that's why I love so much that 150 dudes just slipped away and sat by a lake and just encountered the slow three mile an hour Jesus. I love that this church models that. Like, listen, yep, we can't escape the culture we live in. We can't escape the fact that a lot of people show up here Sunday. It's awesome. But rest and slowness is the pace that we're striving for. Somehow I've missed it so long. Mark one thirty-five. early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place where he would pray. Luke 4.42, when the day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place and the crowds were searching for him and they tried to keep him from going away. You see, this is what a subversive spirituality looks like. Jesus' mission was always to connect with his father. Incredible. When I was in school, my thesis was that mission, the things that we do, the things that we participate in, the things that God has called us to, that mission is and only can be a direct result of a subversive spirituality. This is what, I mean, I paid a lot of money to come up with that stupid sentence. And I had, I, I had no idea what it meant. I wasn't living by it. I didn't have a subversive spirituality. I didn't have a passion to meet with the Father in the morning as Jesus modeled. Jesus' priorities in his ministry never started with us. His relationship with his father was paramount. God, where are you? He'd say, Father, where are you? And he would make time and he would slip away. And everyone's like, Jesus, we need you, Solve all of our problems. He's like, nope, gotta go, gotta do this, gotta do that. I'm spending time with the Father. I love seeing this in scripture now. It gets me so excited, it gives me hope. It gives me hope, so much hope. Number two, his commitment was to his disciples. Number two. He had 12 dudes. That was it. Pretty, pretty small, pretty ragtag bunch of guys. If, again, if you're solving the problem of sin and death, and you're, you're just pouring into 12 guys. Like, like, I would have been having like conferences. We would have had like, <laughs> like, get the PA system out. Like, we were gonna, I would have like, we would have charts and like, you know, business plans. And we would have done all this thing. And she was like, I'll take the fishermen. And the crazy thing is, we're still talking about this 2,000 years later. So it was successful, very, very, very successful. And number three, ministry was third. Yeah, it would happen. He would slip away to a quiet place and all these people would follow him. They're like, hey, we're hungry. He's like, disciples, here's a couple more fish. Here's a couple more loaves. Go get them. And I just missed it. For some reason, I'm thinking it's gotta be like some Christian personality on YouTube who's screaming at me going like, oh, that's cool. I wanna be a part of that. That's exciting. He's yelling. He's <laughs> yelling. They're moving so fast, they're doing so much, wow. So what does this mean for us to this morning who do suffer from hurry sickness? Busyness. Are you guilty of saying like, oh, I'm just so busy and in your mind thinking that that's because you're important? I've I've done that so much. I'm like, oh, if I'm not busy, I'm not important. I don't value why am I seeking my value and importance from that? I have no idea. What about those of us this morning whose lives just feel out of control? Just a little bit out of control, just right on the verge. What does this mean for us whose lives we are accomplishing a lot, doing a lot of things, but there's no purpose or mission behind it? What do we do with this? Chuck Miller was one of my professors in school, and he was just a little short guy. Do you know Chuck? Oh, he's a Southern California guy. And he, has, he had this really raspy voice, and he would talk like this. And at the end of class, your throat would hurt too, just from listening. You're like, <laughs> ah, Chuck, clear your throat. Good Lord. <laughs> and uh, and we're, we had this cohort of guys, and there was about 30 of us pastors in this room, which is never a good idea. And... Uh, and he goes, uh, he goes. I want all of us during this time to talk about our church. And this was like formative for me, big time. And we're going, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, Dude, sweet. So kind of look around the room. Everybody kind of like puffs up a little bit, you know, like, yeah, yeah, cool. And uh, I don't know why I'm butting my shirt. But, but. I went around, I'm like, hi, I'm Joel Parker. I, you know, I was at uh, Calvary Community Church up in Sumner, and I was a college pastor there. And uh, yeah, we had just, uh, we had a fantastic time of, of uh, leading students and giving them a place to worship God and to really connect to God and to one another. And this was our mission statement. And then, uh, and then I'm now at uh, North Coast Calvary Chapel. And so... Yeah, we're, uh, we're the Switchfoot Church. And uh, so yeah, so that's where, you know, like Phil Wickham goes there. And uh, you know, the first time I preached there, uh, Phil led worship and like, we, you know, and I'm just, it's just so arrogant and stupid. And it's like something that like sometimes pastors in our sin, we kind of get caught up in. And, uh, and around the room, everybody went and they're like, oh yeah, I'm uh, from Dallas, Texas. And uh, we have a modest church of 49,000 people. <laughs> And uh, just, you know, just doing our best to disciple. And they all have their mission statements, all of them. And then Chuck ended and he goes, uh, I'd love to tell you about my church. We're like, cool, how about it, Chuck, try to beat us. <laughs> Chuck goes, um, he goes, there's a couple in my church, uh, Thomas. And Thomas uh, met Janelle when they were in college and uh, they went to uh, this community college and that's where they met. And, and, uh, and he was trying to become an electrician and, and he did. And they have three kids, little Timmy and Billy and Bobby. And, and Bobby's into, tea. he's on the T-ball team. He's on the Snakes. <laughs> Can you, your T-ball team's named the Snakes. Isn't that great? And he plays second base. Yeah. His grandfather gave him a mitt about a month ago, and oh, he loves it so much. And uh, in fact, he hit a home run the other day and uh, they all went out for pizza and uh, he he loves pepperoni pizza so much and uh, it's just great. And so you can be praying for them because right now, You know, she's uh, wanting to go back to school and to become a nurse, and so uh, we're just praying that she finds the right program for that, and uh, really praying that, you know, uh, God would continue to provide in his electrician career, and we're going, Chuck, what are you talking about? (laughs) And then I'm just like, oh, this is why I paid all this money to learn a lesson And I looked around the room, and one by one, we just kinda go, oh, whoops. (laughs) This is what church is about, right? And Chuck just had a way, he's like, you don't go to church, you are the church. We are the church. Like, you don't go to baseball team You're on the baseball team. You go to practice. You go to play a game. And so we just say weird things in Christianity. And Chuck just had this way so simple. It wasn't a seminar. It wasn't like this big syllabus with all these notes. It was just a simple course correction. And I just loved him for it. And one day, Chuck was talking, and you're probably wondering what this was like. Is he like hungry, or did Miss skip breakfast or something? We're getting to it. But Chuck pulled out, this setup right here. And all us pastors were, were there and we're going through this program to try to understand how to best minister and care for people, and how to do so in a sustainable way. And he talked a lot about the abiding relationship. He talked a lot about the slowness of Jesus. But not, it was took forever for us to see that. And he goes, our job as ministers, we're, we're this cup, right? This is who we are. And our job as followers of Jesus is to, is to find the pitcher that has the fluid. And God here, in this analogy, he said, is, "Is this is God. And God is so faithful every day to you and to I to, to pour out his Holy Spirit, to pour out his life, for us, we know that doctrinally and theologically, to give us good and perfect gifts, to lavish us with his love, to fill us up when we feel hopeless, to forgive us of our sins, to wash us clean, to give us purpose and meaning and all these wonderful things. And he says, how good does it feel when you've been with Jesus and he's just filling you up? And we're all going like, oh, yeah. And then he got it like right to the surface tension. And he goes, but that's not all that we're created to do. There's a little bit more to it. But he goes, but the good news is, it doesn't require any work. And we're going, what? And he goes, this plate right here, he goes, I want you to envision that this plate right here is the people that God has put in your life. A spouse, kiddos, family, dear close friends. These are the people that God has put in your life. And he goes, "In this plate right here, this is what God has called us to do uniquely. Go and do this. These are the things that God has put in our life and allows us to be a part of, our job, our career, our calling, whatever it may be. But he goes, How this works and is sustainable is that God will remain faithful to pour into you. You must remain faithful to allow him to fill you up. And again, it's at that three miles per hour. And as he does, the overflowing that happens. Have you ever just been so full of the Holy Spirit? It's kind of oozing out your ears and your nose. You're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like, Ray was crying, I'm crying. I'm like, God, oh, this is just too much sometimes. It's so great, it's so awesome. And you just feel like there's, there's nothing that can deter me right now from understanding and comprehending and relating to the infinite God, the good, good God. And that he's talking about that moment. And as we do, guess what happens to the people around us? As they become full as well. Have you ever been around someone like that? Gosh, I just loved, loved coming to staff meetings here. And you think Ray preaches on Sunday. Like staff meetings were so incredible. We'd get these little sermonettes and they were just, it was just so awesome. It just, it would fill me up. I'm like, okay, if he can believe that, I can believe that. And I can go minister to these college kids. And you see how the, the trickle down effect comes? And then I got college kids coming up to me like, oh man, I'll never forget when you said this. Well, I'm like, well, it goes back to who I was hanging around with. It goes back to the people who were pouring into me. It goes back to the people who are pointing to see. see This is how church operates. This is it right here. And I'm going, no, 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 no. It needs more programming, more this, more that, more work out of Joel Parker. It's like, no, no, no. The work of Joel Parker in order to not go into psychosis again is to be full. And it flows out. And guess who benefits from that? Oh, my wife and my kiddos. After After I started to get healthy, my wife said, you've changed. That was really hard to hear. It was really hard to hear. Because I thought it was, I've changed and become someone she didn't recognize. She goes, no, I completely recognize you now. And I'm so glad you're back. So I know that as a father, that's that's my job. That's my role, right? Is to be so full of the Holy Spirit that my first ministry, my wife, my kids, that they get the fullness of God too through me. And and I I just love that picture. As a college pastor, doggone it, you have to marry all these kids and they don't understand anything and they stand up here and they're so dumb. And... (laughs) And they hold each other's hands, and 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 you know, like I've I've married like half the people here in in Pierce County and in San Diego, (laughs) and and uh, and and I say the same thing every time. I said, listen, bro, like you, you need to understand here that your job as a husband is to empty yourself completely, completely empty yourself, so that God might fill you up and minister to this beautiful young woman that he loves so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for and would have if she was the only one on earth. You will never love her anywhere close to how much God loves her. So you, you little idiot (laughs) who just wants to have sex, you need to understand right now that your role is to be empty so that God might fill you and minister to this amazing woman. And he's like, What, what? I wasn't paying attention. I'm like, I know you're not. (laughs) And then the bride's sitting here and I say the same exact thing to her. And I don't get caught up with the Ephesians stuff, but it's really what Ephesians is saying. But we go, oh, submission? We don't like that word. Okay, then don't listen to that word. Empty yourself, lay your life down so that Christ And his goodness and his Holy Spirit might fill you so much that the gift of love and joy and peace and patience and all these things that Joel Parker doesn't have very well, doesn't have at all, might actually be a characteristic of the God who's alive in him and the God who's alive in you. Might flow and benefit my wife, who I love so much, and my kids, who I love so much, and the people that I get to minister to and be close with so much. I had a friend who, I said, hey, we talked on the phone a couple weeks ago. He's like, I'm not doing good. I go, you're coming to the Calvary retreat. You're coming. You can sleep with me. I know you snore. I will get no sleep, but you're coming. And he came and we got to see this relationship happen. He's a close friend and out of the fullness of God, it filled him up. And then guess what happens? Out of that, when your relationships are healthy, when you're healthy, guess what? God keeps doing what God does and it starts to fill this plate. It starts to fill the things that he's called you to, asked you to be a part of and life becomes so abundant and full in that moment. This is the picture. And for woe is me, sorry, when I do this and I put the relationships above me and woe is me, sorry, sorry, sorry. You didn't know it was like SeaWorld here, right? I just went to church. You're in the splash zone woe is me when I do this. I'm like, God, would you please bless the ministry? Would you please bless nations, media? Would you please bless this? He's like, okay, I will. And he does, and he did. And guess what? Empty container Joel underneath is just crushing with this weight that he was never designed to carry. It's not the picture. We get things out of order. Some people put relationships above themselves. You see, and this isn't selfish. This is how God's intended it because it's not just for Joel Parker doing this. It's for you too. And so when the church, when we all kind of do this, we're like, okay, God, I'm gonna wake up early. I'm gonna slip away. So why? So that I can be in your presence, that I can slow down and be cognizant of your goodness, your grace. And we're just like Chuck Miller. Jesus goes, what, what, what? Little to the left. Whoop, what? You're taking your job a little too serious right now. Yeah, you gotta go to work. But there's a broken theology in you, Joel. You think you're the provider for your family. You see, my name's Jehovah Jireh. I'm your provider. You're gonna be just fine. Calm down. Okay. So, what do we do with... uh, Does the negative six mean I've gone over six minutes or does it mean I have six minutes left? So it's been over a year since I've done this. I'm trying to remember how to preach. Six minutes left or over? Over six minutes. Oh, gosh. So some practical things to slow down. Get up early. Just start doing it. I mean, just do it. Do it, do it, do it. Get up early. If you're like, ah, you know, I, I work construction. I have to get up at 4 a.m. Get up at 3 a.m. Because guess what? You won't go to bed at 8 p.m. You'll go to bed at 7 p.m. And It'll all work out. And you'll get an hour to just be still and to be quiet and to slow down and get perspective on your day so that you wouldn't take yourself so serious that you'd start to understand that God's present. And yeah, you can pray if you want to, but just, just be quiet with the Lord. Just get a cup of coffee and just sit. You'll start talking to him and he'll start talking to you. Go for walks, slow down. Go get some fresh air, take a walk. Pay attention to uh, what you're putting in your body. It's a big thing that we talked about at the men's retreat, like take care of yourself. God loves you so much, cares about the little things. Um, Oh gosh, I love this verse and I hate this verse. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. I found it. It, was really, it had a huge on-ramp and it was, it was even dressed up with religiosity. It looked a lot like what I thought God wanted me to do and it led me to not being able to speak for over a month and into psychosis. Many enter through it. Many, many, many. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. Life. And few find it. Small is the gate, slow is the pace that leads to life and a life that accomplishes much. Don't believe that the more that you're doing, the more you're accomplishing. It's not it. Because ultimately, who's accomplishing the work? God is. We say that all the time. I've got all this great knowledge up here, but I need to get it to here so where I can start living a more sustainable life, because that's what Jesus wants. He's just walking, and I'm like this like ADD, p kid just like running out in front, I'm like hurry up, Jesus, come on! <laughs> and he's like, and he's been so faithful for 25 years to just slowly walk behind me and say, Joel, whenever you're ready, Whenever you're ready, come on back. So I'm on that journey. And if you're on that journey too, just know that you're not alone. And there are a lot of people in this church who really care. And you're in the right place. And we're on this journey together, right? The best thing that we can do is be a cup that's overflowing. So whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for being so patient and kind to us. Lord, forgive me for setting a wrong example of what it looks like to follow you. In your grace and your mercy, Lord, invite us back to get in step with you at three miles per hour. We want to see you move, Lord, but it has to be you that does so. We want to be obedient, to your pacing. We wanna be obedient to your mission. And we wanna be obedient to go through that small gate that leads to life. That's the invitation, Lord. May we heed it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.